I imagine it's difficult being the MP for Tottenham and the Shadow Lord Chancellor and uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Justice to put uh, your turn your phone off. Do you do you find it easy to flick that switch, David? I'm really sorry that House of Commons bells are ringing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first on the dad pod, so it's it's nice in a way. I like it. <laughs> Hello and thank you for downloading this episode of Dave Berry's Dad Pod. A couple of years ago, I became a father for the first time and this gave me an idea. I wanted to create a place for all people to come and celebrate parenthood. And so my Dad Pod was born. Now, Evie and the Dad Pod are both a little bit older, but I'm still hoping to become a whole lot wiser as I seek to gather more invaluable dad advice from some very special guests. At this time round, I'm joined by a politician, campaigner, writer and father to Joshua, Theo and Rose it's David Lammy, MP. Hello, David. Hello. Hi. Thanks for uh, having me. Great having you on the Dad Pod. As we speak, people are gearing up for what can only be described as a, a different Christmas. What does Christmas look like in the Lammy household? Well, generally, Christmas in the Lammy household is obviously a lot of family. I've got a large extended family. We often have them round at Christmas to us, or if we're not in the country, we're abroad with family in the Caribbean. Christmas is probably the only time of the year when politicians can really switch off because your constituents aren't really that interested in you or what you've got to say (laughs) or helping them. Um, People don't contact you in the same way the media and journalists don't. So it's the time of the year when you genuinely can have have a proper break. And so I really like to focus on family, whether it's extended family back in the Caribbean or it's, um, you know, broader family here in the UK. We've seen a a year, of course, of national lockdowns and and a lot of the parents I've spoken to, both here on the podcast and in actual life, mentioned that they use that time to unite with their family and spend as much time as possible with their kids. How have you found it and your, your kind of role politically within things such as lockdown? And, and do you think that was a very wise move on behalf of parents to, to use it to spend that bit of time that they had where instead of going to work would have been the norm for them? Well, I personally have found that lockdown did allow a different rhythm. You know, one of my boys, my eldest, is, is very much a teenager. And lockdown allowed both me and his mum to sort of re-engage with him and focus in on him. And we kind of needed to do that, as you do with teenagers. And that was quite special. We had, we've had a lot more time this year sat around the table eating together, for example, as a family. I mean, we, we, that is quite important to us at the weekends, but doing it during the week has been quite special for us. Me and my wife cooking in the kitchen and then coming together with the kids so I would say I'm a London MP, so I'm at home every evening. I'm at home in the mornings. I'm slightly obsessional, Dad, because I grew up without one, <laughs> you know, uh, and I saw the chaos that him leaving left behind. So uh, even though I'm a busy politician, believe me, the most important thing <laughs> in my life are my kids and I'm pretty engaged with them, lockdown or not. I don't like losing touch with what, what's going on in my kids' life at all. One of the kind of old adages when it comes to, to the rules of being a parent is that everyone has their device or their phone off at the table. 
I imagine it's difficult being the MP for Tottenham and the Shadow Lord Chancellor and a Shadow Secretary of State for Justice to put oh. your turn your phone off. Do you do you find it easy to flick that switch, David? I'm really sorry that House of Commons bells are ringing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's a first on the Dad Pod, so it's it's nice in a way. I like it. <laughs> Because I'm sitting here in the House of Commons and that's the bell to signal that the chamber is starting its business questions. So it's Jacob Rees-Mogg. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I prefer to be here with you, Dave. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> well, David, actually, that goes to highlight the point I'm making perfectly. Is it, is it hard? Is it difficult to switch off from being so much in demand to... Yeah, I think... I think that the truth is me and my wife are guilty of the whole social media, emails disappearing into your phone. We are definitely guilty of that, like lots of other families. We're pretty strict in my family around, there are absolutely no phones at the meal table. I mean, that, that's just not on. And we are pretty focused on our own kids social media habits we don't allow phones in the bedroom we don't really allow phones upstairs in our house uh, where the bedrooms are we um, are there are these apps and things that mean that you can control the apps and hours and things that your kids are on social media we, we're into all of that uh, you know we try and limit time on xbox playstation etc but you know, lockdown, that's not been easy because it's been a way of the kids socialising and, and, and being engaged with friends. But we ourselves, yeah, we, we fall into the silos sometimes and we have to check ourselves. We're, we, you know, we're far from perfect, but there are lots of dangers out there in terms of social media. Lots of stuff I worry that the kids can be exposed to way beyond their years and experience. Mm. Um, and I think it does require a real vigilance. I also, as a policymaker, would say that I'm pretty confident that flash forward 10, 15 years, this stuff will be much more regulated. It's like the Wild West at the moment, where, where yeah. I think they're expecting parents to exercise way too much decision-making, and actually we've got to put much more burdens on the the companies themselves and we've got to legislate and be in that place but we aren't there yet unfortunately in the in parliament i mean you know in terms of a, a white paper to deal with these online harms i mean the government said they're bringing one forward but we're not there yet so in in the absence of that regulation i mean i think there's a lot of burden on parents to be on this stuff because there's some serious dangers out there well, very early on in the birth of dad pod, I, I was liking it to, to teaching the kids not to touch something because it's hot. I think it's going to become such an everyday kind of danger or, or concern for parents, social media and, and, and everything else associated with that, that I sincerely hope you're right, David, and that in 10, 15 years, because that'll work out my daughter will be 17. So that's just perfect for me. <laughs> Sooner than that, but, but I think this is a global movement and some of this requires almost global action not just unilateral action in com in countries particularly because a lot of these companies are based uh you know in, in northern california they're not actually based here um i mentioned just then uh, my daughter who she's two at the moment so we're enjoying the toddler years and, and all that that brings what are your memories of your children being toddlers david well my youngest is six so it wasn't that long ago i have to say six is the most gorgeous age i just adore it you know 
still very much believe in Santa Claus, um, into fantasy and starting to read, you know, for the first time and just a wonderful, wonderful age. I suppose toddlers, I mean, I love babies. I loved my kids when they were sort of, you know, up to about really sort of nine months a year. I just, you know, I'm very into changing nappies and cuddles yeah. and kisses. And Do you kisses. get gooey when you see babies, David? Babies' feet. And, well, you know, the thing is, you forget. So actually, I'm very nervous with other people's children. I mean, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. kids. Oh, my God. You know, I love, 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 love babies. Toddlers and the sort of, you know, the, the tantrums and stuff, ooh, not so good running around the house and worried that they're going to electrocute themselves or bash their head on a oh. tape or something is, uh, you know, I don't remember really being a lot of fun. I remember being a lot of panic. Um, <laughs> when you've got two or three kids under a certain age, that's a real challenge. And obviously seeing that with family and friends, uh, over the years we've got a big gap between our two boys who are now almost 15 and almost 13 and our daughter who's almost seven and our daughter's adopted um, mm-hmm. we adopted our daughter and so <laughs> what can I say it's it's and all my kids are very different they're very very different personalities and we me and my wife have got big personalities so I would say our house is a big loud shouty dramatic, uh, <laughs> lots of drama, sort of home really. There's always something going on. It's never, ever, ever quiet in the Lamy household. You mentioned, of course, your daughter there who, who was adopted. And, and on the Dad Pod, we've aimed to reflect a range of different parenting experiences. I felt that was very important. And we've spoken to people about foster care and adoption. Um, and you said adopting uh, your daughter six years ago was the best thing your, your family ever did. Tell everybody listening right now why it was such an important thing for you to do, David. Just because it's the most important thing I've ever done in my life. And I know the day I die, it will be the most important thing that my wife and I uh, have ever done. And the most rewarding thing that I've ever done, you know, what my daughter brings to our family, gives as much to us as we give to her. Look, you know, I had a tough upbringing, you know, in the sense that my dad left when I was 12. He had a problem with alcoholism. My parents had a pretty crap marriage. There were lots of rows. I grew up in Tottenham in the 1970s and 80s. It was not easy. (laughs) Let's put it that way, right? Um, uh, And, you know, I've got half brothers, you know, a large extended family of complications and all sorts. So I would say that when you get to a certain age and you're a proper adult, you understand that life has got its knocks and you understand that the truth is that some people can start life out with some tremendous knocks. They're probably, other than losing a parent very young, which I think is a real challenge. uh, The truth is, if you start off in the care system, that's a tremendous hard knock. And my wife and I's job is to hopefully raise our daughter as best we can to come to terms with that and to lead a life that's independent and where she can flourish. That's the biggest responsibility I have. And as I say, it means the world to me and to my wife. And I don't want to overstate it in some sort of, you know, but I hope I convey how important it is. There are lots of black and mixed race children particularly that are you know languishing on the adoption register as well Mm -hmm. Um, we do need families who have their own birth children to reach out and adopt 
we really do need that. It's not just about couples who can't have children themselves doing it. And, um, you know, I would encourage anyone to go through the process. The process is, you know, it's definitely convoluted and a bit challenging. It should be because, you know, you shouldn't be able to, you know, this is not like going into the supermarket. It should be an exacting thing in the sense of, you know, the psychology of your family and, you know, and, and what you're up to and to make sure that you're going to be suitable family and suitable parents. But um, as I say, we wanted a large family. We have a large family and she's gorgeous and, and it's wonderful for us. Well, of course. And um, at the end of this edition of the podcast, we'll put some information out there about finding out more about adoption. But I think if you are able to give love, care, protection and inspiration to a, to a little human, then you, you should definitely do that. David, you've touched on your, your mum a few times and, and I'm not surprised. She sounds like she was an incredible woman um, raising yourself and your siblings. She loved to turn parents evening into a big event. She didn't recognise a grade below a C. She'd be so proud of your achievements. First, Black Britain at Harvard Law School, becoming a lawyer, becoming an MP. How important was she to developing you as a successful person and the impact she's had on you as a parent? Massively important. I I was, we were so blessed, so blessed because I had a mother who was a giant. She was actually an incredibly shy woman. You know, if you met her, Dave, she'd be terribly shy and a bit gauche, but she was steely. She had a wicked sense of humour. She was my best friend. I mean, she really was my best friend growing up. I could talk to her about anything. Yet, uh, when it came to education, and she was quite a disciplinarian, you know, you knew who the boss was. Uh, (laughs) So I felt so fortunate. You know, I did lose my dad, but my mother was really like having two mothers. She loved children, very loving. She worked very hard all her life and died too young of ovarian cancer. She, she died at 69 and didn't really have much of a retirement. But all I can say is that she was a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and I felt very, very blessed. She, you know, did meet her two grandsons, did meet my daughter, but did meet her two grandsons. She adored them, you know. So important that happens if it's able to happen. Absolutely adored them and mm. she adored my wife. You know, I I just, I owe so much to her and to her parenting. And I I sort of, she was the sort of parent who gave you a long rope, to be honest. Um, But believe me, when you you hung yourself, she she, (laughs) was pretty good at coming down pretty strong. And, you know, it's amazing how your parenting style is very much uh, determined by your parents. Uh, she could be strict in places, and I can be pretty strict in places. Um, I do think that my parenting style is that kids do need boundaries. My experience is they want to know what the rules are. I'm not sort of a completely liberal, let, let everything hang out kind of parent. Uh, and I joke with my boys, you know, I'm not your friend. <laughs> I'm your dad. And I'm really hoping that when you're over 18, we are friends and I want to go and have a beer with you. But that, the job is for me to be your dad. So I'm not here to tell you what you always want to hear. And you're not always going to like me. You know, I definitely took a leaf out of my mother's book. And it's way too early for me to say if that's come good. I'm not, you know, I worry sometimes. I'm not the most touchy-feely dad. I'm not sort of roly-poly rolling around on the, you know, on the floor with my kids. But I do like to spend one-to-one time with them. You know, my wife and I take breaks with them separately, one-to-one. 
we think that intimacy is quite important. Sometimes in a large family, you can you can lose a bit of that. And I sort of engage them in my in the things that I enjoy. I mean, I'm obsessed with film and theatre. I take my kids a lot to the movies, theatre, sometimes just with me. I always found looking at films a way about talking about life and stuff. And I, and I do that. My kids are sort of engaged in my hobby. And of course, for the football, I, we go and watch Spurs and stuff. Um, well, that leads me nicely on to, obviously, as a MP for Tottenham for, for 20 years and a big Spurs fan, I asked this to a previous guest of mine, uh, comedian Kojo Anim. Um, he's a, a huge Liverpool fan. And I asked him if his son ever came home wearing a Man United top, what would his reaction be? And he said, I'd say to him, it better be Halloween. <laughs> so uh, the same question to you. <laughs> if all the guys come home in Arsenal kits, what's your reaction to that, David? Uh, probably they're going to go and pack the bags. <laughs> they'd never do it I, I, to be honest I would have failed if that were to happen I, I, I would have really failed so, so uh, you know again look, I've got to be heavy, I, I, honest with you one of the only things I really recall about my dad was him taking me to see the Spurs it means a hell of a lot to me to take them to White Hart Lane and they can feel how that makes me feel they can see me shouting and screaming and sometimes using expletives um, uh, and being a bit less serious. I think they, they love to go and shout and scream. And so they've got, they got caught up in the, in the fun and the joy of it. <laughs> and, the, and the banter with Gunas down the road, to be honest. And there's no chance of my eldest ever. I mean, he's so into football. But, you know, okay. I mean, he wants to be a footballer and he's actually pretty... Right pretty nifty and, and, and been in a couple of academies. So there's no chance of him leaving the Spurs. And the second one, did <laughs> used to say when he was about six or seven that he supported Wolves. But that was only because <laughs> I think he liked the sort of Wolves, um, you know, the idea of being a wolf. But, but <laughs> now, no, 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 he's, he's, a, he's a lily white and it's all set. So what I've got to do now um, is not sort of leave my daughter out of the picture. Um, Precisely. Some sort of gender bias. Um, the lockdown has not helped with that, but believe me, the minute that I can get back to Spurs, we're having this conversation just before the, the Arsenal game this weekend, and obviously because it's only 2,000 going, I can't get a ticket, I can't go. But believe me, as soon as football's back, I'll be bringing her along as well. David, what I'd like to ask you, and I ask this to, to everyone who makes an appearance on the Dad Pod, is your kids, all three of them, they hear this back in 15 years from now. What would you like to say to them? Oh, I'd like to say that I'm proud of them. You know, I, I love them hugely. That, you know, whilst I spent a lot of my life trying to support other people and a lot of the folk in Tottenham, are, you know, need that support. They need me to stand up for them. Um, I hope that they know that my first and foremost concern has been them. Uh, and that I tried my best. I didn't get the best start. I haven't always got it right. But I, I, I tried my best. And I hope that they can look back and say, look, he gave it a shot and he equipped me as best as he can. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. My mother used to say all the time, live up to your ancestors' prayers. And, um, you know, I've tried to do that. And I hope that they will as well. How lovely. Um, and finally, David, there's an old saying about having to pick your favourite child. Now, you don't have to name them. <laughs> yes oh or no? God, you have a favourite child. I can't do that. No <laughs> way. I mean, that's just barking. 
mean, you don't. It's 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 nonsense to say you love them the same. I've never. I, I don't think you love okay. them. Okay. I think that does come and go depending on ages and where they're at. And I definitely don't think I can. I can't bear the teenage years very much, to be honest. And I and I also, by the way, my experience was not that you know children were born and they were gorgeous and I loved them like I'd never loved anything before. That was not my experience either. Okay. I know people say that, but that's not how I felt it. I fell in love with my kids. It was a slow burning. <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, it was arduous. I fell in love with my kids. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to know them. They, they earned your them love and care yeah. about them. And I, you yeah. know, the ups and downs and the, all that stuff that that makes it makes it so real and so whole. So that's my that's been my experience. But I'm definitely not going to pick one over the other because it just doesn't it doesn't work like that for me. No. I might say also, and my wife would would say this, you know there's a quite large chunk of me that doesn't really want to accept that I've only got three kids. I kind of, you know, I would be happy for at least two more. <laughs> okay. You mentioned a big family. You mean a big, big family. I love being a dad. So I happily have a couple of others because I've got a large extended family. I've got a lot of sort of surrogate kids that have come through the house, cousins and things that come and stay with us for a bit. Uh, relatives have sent our way. You've got to understand I'm in a sort of Catholic the more the merrier sort of place. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like a wonderful place to be. And David, I want to thank you for your time for talking all things parenthood here on the Dad Pod. already. I'm quite enjoying this. It's a bit like therapy. We should carry no, on. Let me, let me ask you one last thing. I've talked to some of my guests about the concept of the dad joke, only the other way round. Do your kids make you laugh? And if so, what is it they do specifically that makes you giggle? <laughs> well, my eldest pats me on the stomach. It's his sort of way of being affectionate, but also saying, Dad, you've put on weight. And he, and he loves that. And he's sort of... They could be so cruel, as the old saying goes. I know. He's getting to that stage where he's a bit taller than me. My, my, my daughter clearly has got a problem with my, you know, uh, you know weekend with my, my trousers sort of sliding down my waist. And uh, and my, my backside being a bit bigger than it should be. <laughs> she sort of pulls my trousers up. Oh, Dad, your bum shape. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and that makes me laugh. Uh, and my, my second is just a comedian. I mean, he's just hilarious. He's so funny. And, I mean, you know, he could, he could be like Jim Carrey or something. I mean, he's just, right, okay. just so funny and a comedian anyway. So <laughs> they all make me laugh in different ways. They really are a merry bunch. Well, that's just perfect. David, once again, thank you for your time. Please keep fighting the good fight for us all as well. And send my love to the family. I appreciate your time. We'll speak to you real soon. David Lammy. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot. Take care. Can you believe it? Midway, through chatting to David about how he balances his busy work life and parenthood, we get interrupted by the House of Commons bell. You couldn't make it up. What a pleasure it was speaking to David Lammy, MP. You can also find out more information about adoption by visiting coram.org.uk. That's C-O-R-A-M. 
If you've enjoyed what you've been hearing on the Dad Pod, then please do leave a comment and a review. You can also email me directly. It's daveberrydadpod at gmail.com or contact me via my Instagram page, which is dave underscore berry underscore insta. It's great to know that you're finding the Dad Pod as beneficial as I am. And remember, you can tune into my breakfast show every weekday morning between 6am and 10am on the Absolute Radio Network. But that's all for now. Thank you once again for listening.